Well, hello, and welcome back to the Palm View Christian Church Sunday morning sermon podcast. My name is Trey Hinkle. I'm the lead pastor here at Palm View Christian Church in Palm View, Oregon. And uh, we are moving on with our series on the Upside Down Kingdom, the, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preaches to us in Matthew 5 through 7. You know, a farmer and his wife of 39 years had lived and worked in the same farm for their entire married life. Life had been good for them, for the most part. There was one thing, though, that really troubled the farmer. So he came up with a plan to deal with it. One morning after the chores, he came into the house, and he smelled this amazing breakfast that his wife was cooking, and he went straight to the kitchen, crept up behind her, gave a gasp of horror that made her jump, and he says, be careful, careful, you're going to burn those eggs. And he pointed and says, quick, get more butter. So she dashed to the refrigerator, and he says, you're, you're cooking too many eggs at once. Turn them over before they burn. And then the wife drops the butter on the counter, and she starts flipping the eggs, and he says, gently, you're, you're going to break the yolks. And before she could get the eggs turned over, he barked, you need more butter or they're going to burn. So frazzled, she added more butter, and he says, don't overcook them. You're going to make the yolks hard. Hands shaking. She lifted the eggs out of the frying pan and put them on the plate, and she turned off the stove and went back to the table sobbing. After she had composed herself, she looked at her husband and said, what's wrong? I've cooked your eggs just the way you've liked them for over 35 years. At that point, the husband gave her a hug and then with a wink and a smile said, I just wanted to show you how it feels when I drive you into town. No one likes to be judged, do they? Not for their appearance, their taste in clothes, their hair, their tattoos. No one likes to be judged for making a mistake in the game or for the way they drive. Problem is, a lot of people have taken that statement from uh, this morning's passage, and they have shortened it. Uh, If you take your Bible, go to Matthew 7. We're in Matthew 7 today, and uh, we're starting this last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount And in Matthew chapter 7, this is what we read. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Quite quite an amazing passage of of Scripture teaching about judging. But see, people, they, they take that very first sentence, the first part of the first sentence, don't judge, do not judge. And people latch onto that even when their behavior is stupid or destructive or contrary to God's law. They say, don't judge me. You have no right to tell me what's wrong. But let me ask you this. What if you got a piece of lettuce sticking out from your front teeth? What, what if the way that you're driving is actually putting yourself and other people in danger? What if the path that you're headed down is going to wind you up in debt or in divorce court or even in prison? 
You, you see, here, here's something that you know will tell me who is a true friend or not. If you see a booger in my nose and you don't tell me about that issue, I, I have a hard time believing that you actually care about me. Let me give you two real-life scenarios. My father is in the ministry, and uh, back when I was 16 years old, he stopped being our youth minister, and he became the senior pastor of the church there in San Jose, uh, where I had grown up. Now, now, Dad had always been bald uh, with a uh, ring of hair at the back of his head, but that then ring went into sideburns, which then uh, went down into mutton chops, and then it turned into a mustache, and so his chin was still bald, um, bare of hair, uh, but he had this, what we would call the hairy red W. It looked like a W on his face, and that's kind of how he, he wore it. Like how you'd see pictures from the 1800s, these men uh, that would have the whiskers all the way down, and then they would uh, connect to a mustache, and, and there was no beard on the chin. Well, that, that was his look. Ever since I was born, that had been his look. And uh, everybody just knew Don as having the hairy W. That was his look. Well... <clears throat> As he was promoted from youth pastor to senior pastor that year, uh, he had gotten a, an anonymous note from a lady in the congregation. Uh, we assume it was a lady because of the handwriting. It just seemed a little bit nicer than, than men's handwriting. And, and this gal had said, I sure hope you shave that ugly beard of yours now that you are going to be our senior pastor. Okay, Miss Judgy Judger Pants, right? Oh, my goodness. That, that, uh, that really hit hard, I, I remember. And my dad had a problem with that. Okay, so second story is, has happened to me. Um, somebody from this church, in fact, uh, who came up to me one, one day after a sermon, it says, Trey, I want to tell you something. You're, you're a very good pastor. I, I really appreciate your teaching. And, and we want you around a while. And I said, well, thank you. He says, I, I'm not sure you, you're thanking, you want to thank me when you hear the rest of what I have to say. I said, well, no, go ahead. And he said, you know, you really have allowed your weight to get out of control and we want you around for a while, but if you don't lose weight, if you don't get healthy, you're not going to be around for a while, and you really need to get healthy. All right, now, let me ask you this. You hear those two stories uh, about pastors who have been critiqued, right, or, or been given, uh, somebody was judging, right? But which was a better uh, scenario? Which is a better approach? Obviously, it's, it's the, the one who spoke to me. Now, why? Well, because the ugly beard comment from Miss Judgy Judger Pants, that wasn't humane. It wasn't humble. It wasn't helpful. It was an opinion that had been expressed in a very sinful way. But the comment about my health, it may not have been what I would have chosen to hear that day. But you know what? It came from somebody who cared about me somebody with whom I had already had a friendship, a relationship. And so when I heard that, it made a bigger impact and helped me make the decision to actually do some things that, that would help promote my health. See, the premise this morning in this passage, in the message today, is that there is a difference 
there is a difference in the ways that you can use judgment and discernment in your relationships. See, when Jesus tells us in Matthew 7, do not judge, it's so important to get to the heart of what he's talking about. See, if, if you're in a situation where somebody that you deeply care about is acting out in a dangerous way, or if you are observing an injustice being committed against somebody who is innocent, is Jesus really telling us that, that we should do nothing about that? That we shouldn't care about those situations? That we, we shouldn't say something or reach out and try to make things right? I mean, after all, didn't Jesus actually judge those who were uh, buying and selling in the temple, the money changers in the temple? Didn't Jesus instruct his disciples as they were going from town to town preaching the good news of the kingdom of God that if there was somebody who was hostile to the message, they were to shake the dust off of their feet as they were leaving that house? Folks, doesn't that take judgment? You're, you're, you're judging somebody's actions. You're judging somebody's attitude. So, so I believe that this is one of those teachings that can be quite uh, confusing at times and, and definitely misunderstood. See, there's a difference because we see Matthew 7, 1, do not judge. And, and another passage that we can contrast it with, John 7, John chapter 7, verse 24, what Jesus says, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Okay, see, we could stop there after he says stop judging by mere appearances. But no, he says, listen, there is a right way to judge. He, he's, by the way, he's talking about uh, uh, the, the response of the religious leaders. Uh, they, they were condemning him for healing a man on the Sabbath. Uh, they were thinking in their hearts that Jesus must be actually aligned with the devil if he was going to break the Sabbath to do this. Uh, he was working on the Sabbath. And you could just hear the, the frustration of Jesus. You, you're not getting it. You think you can figure it out all, by, all just by appearances, but if you're going to judge, you've got to judge rightly. You've got to get to the heart of the matter. You've got to judge righteously. See, the Bible is full of passages that talk about righteous judgment and discernment when it comes to those of us who are disciples of Jesus in our relationships with other people. Um, as you're listening to this, if you can, write these particular references down from the New Testament and see what I'm talking about. Romans 16, 17, 1 Corinthians 5, 11, Ephesians 5, 11, and 2 Thessalonians 3, 6. There's a lot more, but those are some great examples of how God has called us to actually use righteous judgment in our relationships with other people. In order to keep us safe, in order to bring health to other people, See, all of them talk about making judgments about the actions and attitudes of others. And, and, and it talks about making a sound decision based on judging a situation. See, I, I've read of counselors who offer classes on life skills that actually help people get their lives back on track. And, and apparently one of the key sessions that this one particular counselor was talking about, uh, they, they said there are three groups of people out there. People who are good for you, people who you should avoid, at all costs because they're a, a bad influence. And, and people like relatives that you got to just handle with caution. See, professional counselors would say that you must use righteous judgment because it's important for your holistic health. 
if you if you're not judging the the people in the way that you should be judging them, then you could put yourself at harm's way. So if those kinds of judgments are necessary and good, then what does Jesus mean when he says don't judge? Well, <clears throat> first of all, you got to note that there's a comma in the English uh, translation. There's a comma after that phrase, not a period, okay? That's important because we can't ignore the next things that Jesus says. The very next thing that Jesus says uh, gives us context, and, and we can't ignore the rest of the verses either. Uh, let's look at Romans 14 to see if Paul can help clarify. He says, why do you judge your brother or sister in Romans 14, uh, verses uh, 10 through 13? Why do you judge your brother, and why do you treat him with contempt? We will all stand before God's judgment seat. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. We will all stand before God's judgment seat. You see, after Jesus says, do not judge, he says, or you too will be judged. Man, what a great context. Apparently, the kind of judgment that is wrong is judgment that has contempt behind it. It's a destructive kind of judgment, like Miss Judgy Judger Pants. That there is a destructive kind of judgment and there is a constructive kind of judgment. Paul says that if you're judging others out of spite or out of hatred or out of condescension or out of an attempt to cover up your own shortcomings, you're wrong. That's not righteous judgment. This is what Jesus means when he says don't judge because remember, remember, you also will be subject to judgment. See, in this morning's passage, Jesus is going to hint at three aspects of healthy, constructive, relational judgments, okay? The first comes from what he says immediately after. He says, do not judge, for in the same way that you judge others, Matthew 7, 2, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the first question that you should ask before you rush in to make any kind of judgment is, is the way that I'm approaching this, is it humane? Is it humane? Now, what, what does that mean? If you look up the definition of humane, you, you'll see words like compassionate, considerate, understanding, having sympathy. <clears throat> see, when we decide it's time to speak a truth into somebody's life, it's, it's important uh, that our approach is compassionate, considerate, understanding, sympathetic. It's important that it is humane. And so that really bottom line involves mercy. And, and isn't mercy something that we all need? I heard a story about a lady who went to go get her portrait painted. And after the sitting, she looked at the uh, picture and said, boy, that picture really doesn't do me justice. And the artist said, lady, you don't want justice. You want mercy. <laughs> we all want mercy. We, we don't like looking at reality. We, we, we would love to have somebody cover up our flaws and, and to think the best of us. Have you ever heard the, the phrase, there, but for the grace of God go I? What that means is that there's really nothing inherently super spiritual about me that comes from me, that magically prevents me from falling into the sin that you have fallen into. Sinfulness is a human condition. And if I'm treating harshly those whose sin is different from my sin, 
You see, their sin is bad. My sin, uh, I, can, I can probably live with. Well, that is denying the truth that we've all sinned. And we all fall short of God's glory. And therefore, but for the grace of God, that could be me. That could be me. Now, that, that's not to say that because we all sin, we just ignore destructive, sinful patterns in loved ones' lives. But bearing in mind that the measure in which we judge others, the measure that we use in judging others, that could just easily be turned around on us. That, that, that ought to make that the way that we speak the truth, the way that we approach uh, speaking truth into people's lives, much more gentle, much more loving, much more humane. After all, what they're involved with, what they're struggling with, we can't guarantee that we're not going to ever struggle with that at some point of our lives, or that we haven't at some point of our lives before, have already struggled with that. Now, one thing I love about the truth of God's Word, you look at Jesus' ministry, for example, and you can see that there's something powerful, something life-changing about dealing with people in a merciful way. There's something life-changing about mercy. In the book of James, in fact, we're told that although judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful, listen, God's mercy triumphs over judgment. So as you are confronting somebody, if you're judging them, if, if you're making, you want to speak truth into their life, are you approaching it in a humane way? What does that look like? Well, it, it means that you have compassion, that you have understanding. Putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, for example. You know, I, I love, I think it was Steve Martin, uh, the comedian, who said, uh, you know what, uh, before you criticize somebody, walk a mile in their shoes. That way, if they get angry at you, you're a mile away and they're barefoot and can't, can't keep up with you, can't catch you. See, I, I don't think that you would judge a man for not listening to you if you discovered that he was deaf. And yet, maybe the person that has an addiction, their life story is just as debilitating as the, the deafness in, in the deaf man's life. Maybe, maybe the person who can't handle money well had never been taught, was never taught. And they just need somebody to come alongside of them and give them structure and not judgment. Uh, maybe your wife or husband doesn't know what you need and know what you want because it doesn't make sense to them. They speak a different love language, for example, uh, or, or you've never really told them what you desire. And if you do, it just doesn't make sense to them. So we, we, we can approach our judgment in a humane way by having compassion and understanding. We can also do that by just being careful with our words. If truth needs to be spoken, why don't you think about how it's going to be heard, not just how you're going to say it. Because hard truth that is spoken lovingly is usually hard truth that is spoken privately, for example. You don't call somebody out in front of everybody. Matthew 18 says, if uh, your brother sins, go and point out his fault just between the two of you. And if he listens to you, then great, you've won him over. And we can also approach our judgment in a humane way if we just remember the golden rule. How would you want somebody to come confront you? If, if you are messing up in some way and they are bringing some judgment and some discernment into your life, how would you want them to, to approach you? How would you want them to treat you? And then turn around and do that for them. That, that's what it means to be humane. 
The second great question, though, to ask before you rush in to, to bring judgment or discernment into somebody's life is, am I being humble? Am I being humble? Look at the next part of the passage, starting in verse 3. Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brothers, well, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, Jesus is obviously using exaggeration to get his point across. And you've got you to acknowledge the humor in this teaching. Can you imagine Jesus talking, picking up a big stick, and then putting it right up against you know, the, the side of his face, right by his eye, and start looking around, and that thing is swinging around, and you know, whoa, wait, wait, you're going to hit me. Uh, he taught with humor. He taught with humor. What is his point? Well, e- even to the point of ridiculousness, ridiculousness, it's so much easier easier to focus in on other people's sin instead of our own. Now, this doesn't mean that you shouldn't be helping somebody with sawdust in their eye, because that can be irritating, and that can be damaging. But be, before you do that, there's something that you must look at your own life. You know, oh, she's such a gossip. She was telling everybody about the blow-up Mildred had, and Howard told me that it was more her fault than it was Mildred, and I believe it. Because she blew up at me last week over the smallest thing. Did I tell you about that? Not to gossip, but... (laughs) Oh, man. She's such a gossip. Not to gossip, but... (laughs) See, it's so much easier and more comfortable to focus in on sins that other people do. Sins that may not even tempt us. You know, drug abuse or homosexuality or abortion while going very easy on sins that we struggle with, like, oh, selfishness or, or greed. The Bible is very clear. As disciples in God's upside-down kingdom, we must clothe ourselves in humility. Jesus is telling us that we must address our own struggles in humility before trying to remove the sins of another person. When speaking into the life of somebody in righteous judgment, there's a a greater chance of a positive response when we eliminate any appearance of superiority. Paul, the apostle, who can at times come across a bit arrogant, in my opinion, he even used this encouragement uh, to the believers in Philippi by being humble. Listen, in Philippians chapter 3, he says, not that I've already obtained all this. See, he was telling them to press on, that you guys need to live this life that, that Jesus has called you to live. He says, but listen, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. In other words, Paul is saying, hey, listen, what I'm telling you, I'm not even there yet myself. But I'm still pressing on. So let's press on together. It's that kind of humble attitude that allows uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to actually act like brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I've got my walk. I've got my struggles. I've got my stuff. you got yours. Now, I may not be able to tell you exactly how to deal with yours, but I can as I humbly walk alongside of you on our respective faith journeys. I can then help you when you stumble. 
I can point things out to you that can be very beneficial to your walk. And then I can also allow you to speak into my life as well. It's that kind of humility, being that kind of humble that allows us to be able to bring about righteous judgment. Humane, humble, lastly, we must ask ourselves, is what I'm saying helpful? Helpful. Here's the bottom line. When you feel this overwhelming need to speak truth into somebody's life, ask yourself, why, you're, why are you doing it? You've got to know why you're doing it. Why do you feel that need to say something to them? Is it because you, you actually care about them? Or is it because you feel superior to them? Folks, that makes a difference. All the difference in the world. Between ugly beard, this judgy judge your pants, and Trey, you're letting your weight get out of control. And you're not going to live as long as what we want you to live. So let's do something about it. And let me even give you a, a, a website that you can go to to help you do this. See, the key to all of that is relationship. I'm hoping that you're catching that. Because if there's no relationship with the person into whose life you are speaking, chances are they're going to ignore you. They're not going to appreciate what you're saying. And they might even turn around and tear into you. That's what Jesus means by this strange picture in verse 6. He says, don't give, to, don't give dogs... Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. In other words, some people, some people will not hear you. They're not ready for your gems of advice. So why are you trying to give it to them? They're not going to take it well. They're, they're not going to appreciate it. They may even tear you to pieces. Well, who are those people? Well, so it's so easy to be, to be critical of those people, celebrities, oh, look at them. I can't believe that they live like that. Politicians, oh, my goodness, I can't believe uh, that they, uh, they're doing those kinds of things. It's easy to criticize people that we don't have to face. You know, you know people anymore that are trolls online, that people who just throw pot shots at people on Instagram and, and on Facebook and, and on all of these social media things, that they have become emboldened. They would never say this face-to-face to somebody because they'd be afraid of what the response would be. They have no relationship with them. All they want to do is throw pot shots at them. But what good does that do? It gets everybody upset. It doesn't change anything. What good does it do to lob your judgment out there on Facebook land, for example? Like, Thank you for making me feel judged by your angry response to my post. I'm a better person because of your judgment, and I've decided to change my ways, says no Facebook user ever. We in the church seem to be so good at judging outsiders, people we don't know, people that we have no real chance of, uh, who have no chance of listening to what we say. They don't don't care uh, about us, so they're not going to take what we say to heart. Now, don't get me wrong. We, we really should stand for truth. I'm not saying don't put truth out there. But there's a more helpful way of doing that than by sinking to the tactics of those who oppose us. Progress can be made, I, I guarantee you, by my own experience. Progress with people can be made if we can demonstrate by our lives the beauty of holiness, the beauty of integrity, whether in our sexuality or, or whether we're fighting an injustice in the world or we're advocating for the poor, whatever it is, 
whatever it is, our lives will speak much, much more powerfully than anything that we could say. So on a practical level, when making judgments, we must ask, are we doing this because we have a relationship with the person? Because we love them? Because we care about their spiritual and physical health? Or are we just doing it because we want to be right? Or because it makes us feel better about our decisions? Or we just feel spiritually superior than them because we don't struggle with that particular sin? You see, to see a person with whom you have a relationship, a connection, a friendship, and you see that their marriage is in shambles, and you see that that's uh, that a big part of the problem is them, can you see why it might be a very good thing, a very loving thing to actually judge, to point out that they need to get their stuff together? Or, or is it more Christian to just let it go because we don't want to be judgy McJudger pants, and so we just let them do whatever they want because we're supposed to not judge? If someone was bleeding out, if a friend of yours was bleeding out, wouldn't you get involved? If if your child was headed into traffic, wouldn't you go to stop them? If somebody was headed for destruction, wouldn't you want to be helpful? I heard a great uh, joke about a priest and a pastor out on a street corner with signs. One of them said, the end is near. And the other one says, uh, the other sign said, turn around now before it's too late. Well, the first car that went by, <clears throat> once they were standing out there, kind of slowed down, rolled down the window, and yelled at him, Leave us alone, you religious nuts! And it sped off. Just moments, seconds later, you heard a screech and a splash. And the priest looks at the pastor and says, You know, maybe we should have written on these signs, Warning, bridge out ahead. You see, if you want to be helpful, you'll say something. But am I being helpful in what I say, or am I just making people feel awful about themselves? Judge not, Jesus says, lest ye be judged. And yet, folks, there's going to be times when God may move us, the Spirit may move us to care enough to speak truth into the life of somebody that we love. But in context, Jesus is really saying, listen, when you judge, make sure it's humane. Make sure you're humble and make sure that what you say is helpful. Otherwise, you really aren't bringing health to anyone. One last thing to consider as we close up today. We've got to remember that there is one Lord, one Master, and ultimately one Judge before whom we all will one day stand. Okay? Paul spoke of the competence of that Judge, the completeness of the judgment. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes, and He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart, and at that time each will receive their praise from God. Do you trust God when He says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord? Let God do, do the ultimate judging. And if you do that, you'll realize that you're going to have to stand before Him as well one day. That, that should temper how you approach other people in your judging spirit towards them. As I close, I want to share a poem that I found online that illustrates this message very well. It says, Don't find fault with a man who limps or stumbles along the road, unless you have worn the shoes he wears or struggled beneath his load. There may be tacks in his shoes that hurt, 
though hidden away from view. Or, or the burden he bears placed on your back might cause you to stumble too. Don't sneer at the man who's down today unless you have felt the blow that caused his fall or felt the shame that only the fallen know. You may be strong, but the blows that were his, if they were dealt to you in the self-same way, at the self-same time, might cause you to stagger too. Don't be too harsh with the man who sins or pelt him with word or stone unless you are sure, even doubly sure, that you have no sins of your own. For you know, perhaps, if the tempter's voice should whisper as softly to you as it did to him when he went astray, it might cause you to stumble too. Well, that's, uh, that's the word from the Lord today, and I uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, again, we uh, meet uh, now on Sunday mornings and have been uh, for many, many, many months now throughout the pandemic um, at 8.30 and at 11.30 is our traditional service in our historic chapel where we uh, uh, bring out the hymns and, and uh, it's, a very, uh, it's a very traditional service. Uh, this week, though, starting on the 6th of June, um, we are moving our 10.30 service to 9.30 just for the summer. Uh, we're going to be outdoors. Uh, it's beautiful weather here in central Oregon. And so if you ever uh, were in our area and wanted to swing by, you've been hearing these um, messages and you think, man, this is a place that I'd like to, to check out and maybe uh, connect with, uh, you're absolutely welcome to join us at 8.30 uh, here in our worship center or 9.30 out in our west lawn uh, over by where the three crosses are if you've been our direction and our way and you've seen those three crosses. Or if you just prefer the old hymns and the older way of doing things and you like that traditional style, you can come at 11.30. We'd love to have you. Uh, check us out on the web at uh, powellbuttechurch.com and uh, you can see all the other things that are going on. I want to thank Lisa Welling, my executive uh, producer. I want to thank um, uh, Steve Pittman for making sure the, this equipment is all up and running and, and, and uh, working the best that it can. Uh, and I just uh, want to thank you for tuning in and uh, being a part of these uh, podcasts each week. Uh, we'll talk next week. Have a great one. <laughs>